You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, because they went to that church, they were protected. But I do think there's something about the grace of God that God likes to make a difference. In Egypt, when one of the one of the plagues that came down was darkness, God put the whole nation of Egypt, the whole country in darkness. But all of his people were in light. So in the middle of the day, you walk outside and it was total darkness. But if you walked across the street on the Jewish side of the road, guess what? Total light in the middle of the day. So God loves to make a distinction and a very distinct difference between his people and the rest of the world. And so I kind of looked at that moment years ago and I heard that sermon from him and I thought, man, you know, I'm not asking for that moment to ever happen. But if it ever happens, I'm going to go to Psalms 91. (laughs) So Psalms 91 is my go to verse. And I just want to say good morning there. It's good to see you all. How are you? Good. So let's uh, let's open up in prayer and then we're going to read Psalms 91 together. If That's all right. It's good to see you. You ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that you are here. Um, your presence is what matters most. And Jesus, you said we're two or more are gathered. You're in our midst. So this morning, Lord, we rest in your presence. Thank you. Thank you for being here this morning. And Jesus, I thank you that as you are here, because you're here, there's nothing else to worry about. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be uh, alarmed by. There's nothing to continue stressing out about. There is nothing that we need to do or to worry about. You did it all for us at the cross, and you are still doing it all for us, even to this day. This morning, we sit at your feet. We hear your word. We rest in your presence, knowing that you won't rest until every problem is resolved. So this morning, we rest in you. And we thank you, Father, that your hand is on us. You are on you are your hand of protection is resting on us. You are working everything out for our good. So this morning we rest in your presence, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus name. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. So let's read Psalms 91, if we may. And I'm coming to something. I have a little bit I want to share this morning, a little more than usual. But uh, I'm coming to a point, something that the Lord shared with me last night. I was uh, in my kitchen just kind of going through dishes at like one o'clock in the morning for no reason. I needed to clear my head. And um, as I was putting dishes in the sink, the Lord spoke something to me. And man, I'm excited. So I'm coming to that point. But I want you to see all of this in order, if we may. Let's come to Psalm 91. David says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him I will trust. Now, I want you to keep in mind the Old Testament, sorry, Old King James word for disease or plague is pestilence, right? Old school word for disease is the word pestilence. So I want you to keep in mind how many times that word shows up. Verse three, he says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare or the trap of the fowler and from the perilous what? Pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Know this, Satan is not taking time off. Not when it comes to God's people. He doesn't just set you, set you up for failure in the day. He wants to try to get you at night as well. But don't worry, you don't have to be afraid of any terror by night, nor any arrow that flies by day. 
nor of the pestilence, there it is again, the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Again, a thousand may fall at your side and even 10,000 might fall at your right hand. I don't care what happens in the world. It will not come near you. Verse eight, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any look right here. Nor shall any what plague come near your dwelling. This is God's promise for all of us in 2020. Right. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Translation. He will always make sure you're at the right place at the right time. If they say don't go to the grocery store and the Lord says go to the grocery store, go to the grocery store. His angels have already been told to keep you where you need to be. All right. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Now, there's about three more verses in this chapter. We'll come to them later. But I want you to see this. Notice what he says right here. And uh, let me back up. I think it was verse three. It says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. One of the, the, one of the ways deliver has always kind of been interpreted, especially by me, is when you see the word deliver, it implies that you've been captured. Right. So in a way, it's almost like, OK, I've been captured. God is going to deliver me. But let me just tell you that the word deliver also implies he's going to deliver you long before the enemy gets close to you. He's delivering you from even being captured. Right. In fact, I was uh, going to share about David this morning. I'm studying or I'm saying I've been preparing to talk about tongues. And one of the things I want to talk about is a hearing heart, tongues, how when you pray in the spirit, God can move you at the right place at the right time. I was going to do that this morning. An amazing story I'll share down the road is the story about David. David was running from Saul. He knew Saul wanted to kill him. He was running from Saul. And the Bible says that he was on one side of the mountain and Saul was on the other. And as Saul went to the left, David went to the left as well. Then when Saul cut back to the right, David went back to the right. And they're literally just doing this back and forth around this mountain the whole time. <laughs> Finally, Saul gets mad and sends some scouts out. And then David just leaves the mountain altogether. And every time Saul gets within range to kill David, all of a sudden David finds a way to kind of get out of it. Now, we can say, well, David was a smart general or it was the favor of God moving David where David needed to be. At the end of the day, it's not how smart we are. It's God who's keeping us where we should be. Right. So all that said to say this, when you look at David, God delivered David from Saul's hand. He delivered him. But Saul never captured him. Likewise, let me say this. God has delivered all of us from the coronavirus. You'll never get it. God has already delivered you. Now, they were uh, somebody was posting the numbers of how many people have died in the coronavirus. In fact, I was looking it up last night. There's now 400 cases of it in America, just in the U.S., 400 cases of it. Now, knowing all that, someone was talking about the flu. You know how many people die from the flu and all that. But let me say this. It's not just the coronavirus. You have been delivered from the flu. Amen. All right. You don't have to get it. You have already been. God has delivered you. God did not let David get caught at the same way. Let me say this. God will not let you get caught. You have been delivered. Yeah. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. You're delivered. So again, when you see Psalms 91, and I want to ask you this week, man, go home and read this. Read this once a day. Because when you read Psalm 91, I'm telling you, it just builds faith on the inside of you. He is delivering me. He will do this. He will do that. And if you read Psalm 91 from beginning to end, there is really no stipulation that God says you must do this for me to do this. Is God saying this is what I'm going to do for you? Now, I'm going to show you how at the end later on, there is one thing that God puts in there for all of us. But I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's 
It's a win-win no matter what happens. God has delivered you from every pestilence, from every disease, every plague. It will never come near you. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will never come near you. Amen. Amen. Now, when you look at protection, let me say this. Let's look at the end time prophecy for a minute. Is that all right? Now, when it comes to end time prophecy, we don't have enough time to go through all of it. Uh, But let's look at Luke chapter 21. We don't have time to look at all of it. (laughs) We could be here all day talking about that. But I want to point out some things that Jesus said that apply to all of us. Now, when you look at Luke 21, keep in mind, Luke 21 and Matthew, I want to say 24, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Matthew 24. It is. It's Matthew 24. Jesus talks about the end. Now, in Luke 21, Jesus is, uh, it opens up with a woman who gave her last two pennies or last two Midas. If you remember that story. And Jesus makes a statement. She gave more than everyone else who came and gave all of this. And at the end of that story, they kind of look at him. They say something else. And then Jesus says, they say, well, look at how beautiful the temple is. And Jesus looking at the temple says, the day is soon coming where not one stone will be laid on top of another. Right. So he says that. And then they look at him and they say, tell us about that time. Tell us when this will happen. And out of that, Jesus starts talking about the end of Jerusalem. Now, you have to be very careful because what happens is people take what Jesus said to the end of Jerusalem and they apply it to the whole church. But Jesus wasn't talking to the church. He was talking about the end of Jerusalem that happened in A.D. 70. Now, Jesus had already ascended. The apostle Paul had already raised up been raised up as an apostle. The disciples had already started a church in Jerusalem, but they weren't going to the far ends of the world like he told them to. Jesus told them to. They were all staying in Jerusalem. And so in A.D. 70, Jesus made a prophecy before. Jesus said this in Luke 21. You can read it. He said, if you look up and see that the city has been surrounded, run to the hills. And then he said this. Woe to any woman who is pregnant in the day that you see the city surrounded, because it will be hard for you to travel from the city to the mountains. But I'm telling you, run to the mountains. Don't hesitate. Now, Josephus was a Jewish historian from that time. And Josephus said this. Everyone who listened to what Jesus prophesied about the city being surrounded, everyone who listened and took note of it when they saw the Romans surround the city of Jerusalem, they ran and they were all saved. Are you with me? Now, that happened in A.D. 70. The Romans were already kind of influencing everything going on, but they finally had enough. Jesus' disciples had raised up. There were outbreaks everywhere. And Caesar called in and said, that's it. Attack the city. I'm not attack, but sack the city. Take over. Get control of Jerusalem. So the Roman general Titus came and in AD 70, he surrounds the entire city. And finally, after a couple days, when Jesus's followers take heed to what Jesus said, they run to the mountains. Titus comes in, attacks the city and he gave them a specific instruction. Whatever you do, do not destroy the temple. Take all the gold, the silver, take what you want, but do not destroy the temple. And when they got to the temple, they set everything on fire. And guess what happened? The gold started to melt and the gold went in between the stones that made up the temple. So how do you get the gold from between the stones? What do you do? You take the stones apart, stone by stone. Are you with me? Jesus prophesied and told them the day is coming when not one stone will be laid on top of another. Are you with me? So in order to get the gold, they had to disobey a direct order from their general, which was unheard of. But they did it. And every stone was taken off of another, fulfilling what Jesus said. So, again, in Luke 21, the majority of what Jesus is talking about has nothing to do with the church. It's all about what they were going to experience. But then he shifts gears in the middle of it and he starts talking about the end of the age, the end of our time. So are you ready? Again, we don't have time to cover end time prophecy in in, in its entirety, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what applies to us. 
In Luke 21, verse 7, Jesus said, so I'm sorry, the Bible says, so they asked Jesus saying, teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And Jesus said, take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. The time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Now, again, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Let me say this. You, it's, it's not even like, okay, there's another war on the brink or this country's fighting against this, against this country. Keep in mind, he's not just talking about war here or war there. He's talking about you will hear of wars, plural, and rumors of wars. In other words, this is going to be on a grand scale. You'll hear about wars that just happened immediately, or you'll hear about something that's about to take place. Now, again, we open 2020 with a rumor of war. <laughs> Are you with me? But again, I'm not, I don't want to be in among that crowd of saying the end is here. This is the end. Holding up one of those signs. The end is here. All right. Let's keep going. In verse 10, what does Jesus say? I'm sorry. Can you hit next one up? For some reason, this keeps going in and out. There we go. In verse 10, it says, then Jesus said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes. Now, three things. Watch this. There will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences. There's that word again, old English. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, one more time, this word right here, great earthquakes. I had a lot of time on my hands last night. I didn't, but I had some time to kind of go back. And I thought, actually, I'm sorry, this past week. And I thought, let me look up some, uh, some statistics on things. Jesus said, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that we are getting close to the day Jesus is returning. I'm a firm believer that's about to happen very, very soon. But Jesus said one of the signs will be great earthquakes. So I went back and looked. Did you know that I think it was yesterday morning there was an earthquake in Arizona? I didn't know that. Now, it didn't make the news because it's not as popular as some other things. Now, keep in mind, it was a 5.5 in terms of scale. But that same morning, there was an earthquake somewhere else. I think it was like in Thailand or something. So then I started going back, and there was an earthquake on Friday. There was an earthquake, likewise, on Thursday. <laughs> and not all in the same place, just different places around the world. Now, when you go back and look at the, the charts that they have, because they have charts and they have tons of confusing information. But <laughs> when you look at the chart for dummies, like myself, all right, <laughs> and you see how consistent earthquakes have happened, I'm telling you, earthquakes are picking up on the horizon. They're picking up. If you say, well, I don't want to live here because there's a lot of war, there's a lot of things going on. Oh, no, the coronavirus. Okay, well, I'm going to move over here because I don't want to be near war and I don't want to be near disease. You can't run from an earthquake. <laughs> Are you with me? Well, I don't want to live on the coast because there's hurricanes. You're right, but you can't run from an earthquake. Only God can keep you at the right place at the right time. Are you with me? Now, I'm not saying live. Uh, it is what it is, but only God can put you at the right place at the right time. So, again, Great earthquakes, famines. I mean, I, I was looking up all this information. And let me say this. Earthquakes and famines is not something that is not happening. It's just something that's not being put on TV. It's happening. <laughs> then you look at pestilences. And this is what triggered me again. Pest We're looking at the coronavirus right now. Now, for me, I'm going to be honest. It's one of those things that happened in the world. It didn't really affect me personally. But then it hit America. And I was like, well, you know, again, it's on the other side of America. It's not something that impacts me. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. What do I have to be worried about? And then I was at work and they said, well, no, uh, you know, it happened in North Carolina. Like, what do you mean? No, two people in North Carolina. But I'm in Charlotte. There is nothing to worry about. Right. Then a friend of mine said, yeah, you know, they put Virginia in a state of emergency. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, no, Virginia's in a state of emergency. And so I think it was uh, New York as well. New York is in a state of an emergency. So I'm like, Maryland as well. So I, I go and I'm typing in coronavirus update. What's going on with the coronavirus? Come to find out, they shut down the transit system because people are staying home. 
enough people have it that now they don't even want to go outside. And there were 21 cases confirmed as of yesterday in New York, in New York. This is no longer somewhere on the other side of the world that doesn't affect me. Like it's next door. But again, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. It will not come where? Near you. Amen. So, yes, there will be diseases. There will be plagues. There will be earthquakes. There will be famines. All these things will happen. But then what does he say? What does he say? All these will come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. Then you'll hear of all these things and all these things will happen. And he says this. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Now, from here, he goes on to talk about Jerusalem again. So let's fast forward to verse 25, same chapter. In 25, he skips back over to the end of time. Okay? Now, to the end of time, he says this, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring. That speaks of tidal waves. Right here, the sun and the moon and the stars. Do you know that, um, you know, there was a big blood moon movement that happened, I think, about two years ago. Do you know that... It wasn't just one blood moon that happened. Oh, the end is here. Jesus is coming back. It was like blood moon, blood moon, blood moon. Oh, next year, four blood moons. There was only two last year. Oh, and projected will have more blood moons in the years to come. I mean, come on. Signs in the heavens, in the stars, the sun, the moon. I mean, these are things that are happening. (laughs) This is not something that's not. You see what I'm saying? These are things that are happening. Now, again, not to make you afraid, but look at verse 26. Let me ask you this before you read that. Does anyone know what the leading cause of death is in the world? Stress, but do you know what the leading cause is, what they actually call it? Does anyone know? Heart failure. Heart failure is the number one leading cause of death in the world. Now watch this. Verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from what? And the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Let me say this. We are living in a time where Jesus is about to come back. We are. We are here. He is about to come back. It says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, I've known this for a while, but I want to make sure everyone knew this because this is powerful. Watch this. Verse 26, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. The word powers is the word dunamis, means explosive. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes with explosive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will have power. He used the word Greek word dunamis, which literally means explosive power. Likewise, for the explosive power of the heavens. The word heavens is the word uranos in Greek. Do you know what uranos became later on for us in 2020? It's where we get our word uranium from. Interesting. The explosive power of what? Uranium will be shaken. Jesus was saying, before they even knew what was going on, Jesus is saying, when the end comes, uranium, how do you, what do you do with uranium when you split it? You make an atomic bomb. Nuclear war. There you go. Again, only God can have you where? At the right place, at the right time. You don't want to live on the coast of hurricanes. Can't run from an earthquake. <laughs> you don't want to move over there because of war. Again, you can't run from these things. Only God can keep you at the right place, right time. But again, these things are signs of the end. Because warfare is no longer, well, we'll just send troops over and we'll, we'll, we'll try to take this city. Or we'll, we'll send troops over and try to take out this leader. Now, now, nations that no one ever thought, now nations are saying, yeah, we just uh, finished our nuclear construction. And guess what? We can target this much of this country. Now, nuclear war is here. I mean, are, you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying like it's something brand new. But keep in mind, these are all things that Jesus predicted and prophesied. These things will happen. But don't be afraid. Now, let's keep going. I, don't, I want to 
leave you terrified. Oh, God. <laughs> Went to church. I'm terrified what's going on. He said, but look at this. This is our answer from Jesus. But when these things begin to happen, what's, what's our admonition? Look up. Look up. Lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. One more time. When they begin to happen, look up. Do you know that when God told Noah how to build the ark, he said, put one window on it. When you see the pictures, there's always windows on the side so they can look out like a boat. But when God told Noah how to build the ark, he said, I want you to put one window on it. And guess where that window was? On the top. I don't even want you to see the death and destruction going around you. You are in the ark. I only want you looking up at me. That's it. Likewise, for all of us, the cross is the ark. We are in the ark. We are in Christ. And you cannot fall out because once God shuts the door, you are in. Only God can shut it and only God can open it. You are in the ark. You are in the cross of Jesus. And even though destruction is going on all around you, let me say this. You might stumble. You might fall in the ark. Sometimes the ark moves because it's on water. But it doesn't matter because once God shut the door, you're in it. Likewise, the blood of Jesus has sealed you in Christ forever. So you are in Christ. And in Christ, you might sin. You will sin. But let me say this. In Christ, you will never fall out of what Jesus did for you. And there's only one window. <laughs> looking up because God wants you looking up. And everyone said, whatever virus comes up next, let me say this. Look up because no matter what's going on on the news, well, North Korea, nuclear war, look up. Now, again, let me say this. I'm one of those people I was very disconnected. Well, I don't want to know about it because I want to be afraid. Use wisdom, but be conscious of what's going on. Be conscious of what's going on. Be aware of what's going on. Don't be like me. I was dumb. Don't be disconnected. Right? Know what's going on. But in knowing what's going on, don't let it move you to fear. Because the biggest issue is what? Men's hearts failing them for fear. They're terrified of what's going on. Now, let me show you this in uh, Hebrews. In fact, let me skip Romans. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 14. He says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise also, I'm sorry, shared in the same. So that through death, Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death. Make no mistake about it. Who is that? The devil. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. In other words, as long as you're afraid of death, you will be subject to all different forms of bondage. You know why addiction exists? Because at some point in your life or somewhere in your mind, you are still afraid of death. So what did Jesus do? He said, I want to make sure you will never step into bondage again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and I'm going to set you free from the fear of death. Now, how does he do it? He takes on flesh and blood like one of us. And like us, he destroyed the one who had the power of death. And who was that? The devil. He destroyed the devil who had the power of death. He no longer has the power of death. Now, knowing this, destroyed to me seems like he just annihilated Satan. But Satan still exists. So how do we reconcile the two? You know that the word destroy is the word katargio. In fact, look at this. Katargio literally means render unemployed or bring to not. Old English, not. <laughs> render unemployed or bring to nothing. What did Jesus do? Through the cross, he made Satan unemployed. Satan was fired. <laughs> He's fired. As far as you are concerned, he can never use that against you. As far as Satan is concerned, he can cause anyone in the world to be sick, but he cannot make you sick. He can cause anyone in the world to, to fall apart and die, but he cannot cause you to die. No matter what he does, he cannot kill you. He hates you because you are loved by God, but he cannot kill you. No matter what he does, he cannot kill you. Why? Because Jesus fired him. He made him unemployed. Are you with me? And how did he do it? Through the cross. Now, because look, 
now because you can't die, and I say this carefully, there's a generation in Luke 21, Jesus says it like this, that generation, talking about the end time generation, that generation, they will not pass away. That's us. <laughs> That's us. Like Paul said, we who are alive and remain know how to stay alive in the midst of darkness, plague, war, all of it. We who are alive and are in Christ, knowing how to stay alive, all of us, hey, we will not pass away. Amen. Amen. Satan can't kill you. He can't. He's doing everything he can, but he cannot kill you. Oh, man, I'm running out of time. Let's keep going. Do you know that John G. Lake, does does anyone ever heard that name before, John G. Lake? A few of us have. Okay. John G. Lake, if you remember, he was a missionary to Africa. And when he got to Africa, it was a very weird time. God told him to go to Africa. And at the time he got there, the Ebola virus had already spread. Was it? The bubonic plague. I'm sorry. I was reading Ebola. Well, anyways, bubonic plague. I apologize. The bubonic plague. And it's one of those things where uh, it was transferred by touch. So they told people, don't go, don't touch, don't relate, don't interact. But John G. Lake goes. Now, let me say this. When God tells you to go somewhere, God will sustain you. When God tells you to go, he will provide. When God tells you to go, he's got your back. There's nothing to worry about. So God tells John G. Lake, go. So he goes. And in the middle of it, they look at him and think he's absolutely crazy. Why would you go at the time that this is here? Why would you go when people are touching, uh, they're touching things and they're getting sick and they're dying? There's no cure for this. This is a death sentence. Why are you going? And what does John G. Lake do? He goes anyways. Now, when they got to, then they got to him, they realized that he was interacting with people. He's helping people. He's praying for people. People are getting healed. And they said, what's the difference between you and everyone else? And you know what John G. Lake said? He quoted Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Now, I'm going to show you that in just a second. But do you know that once he quoted that verse, he said, do this, do this, take a test. Take some of the cells from my skin and put some of the cells from the disease and put them under a microscope and see what happens. They put the two under a microscope. And as soon as the disease touched his skin, you know what happened? The disease died. Now, in the Old Testament, God said if someone has a disease of leprosy, and I'm using that, that one on purpose, Leprosy is a death sentence. There is no cure. If someone has leprosy and you touch that unclean person who has leprosy, you will be unclean. Translation, that leprosy will come on you. You will die. But when Jesus comes, the first miracle mentioned, not his first miracle ever, but the first miracle that God mentions is what? The healing of the leper. A leper comes to him and says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus looks at him and says, I am willing. Grabbing the man, probably hugging the man and embracing him, he says, be clean. All of a sudden, sickness dies in the presence of life. (laughs) Are you with me? Now, what did John G. Lake quote? He quoted from Romans chapter 8. Look at this in Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, let's look at verse 1. He quotes verse 2, but in Romans chapter 8, let's look at it in context. In context, and this is the New International Version, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I use the NIV version because the New King James, which I love, adds on a part that does not exist. All right. So if you have a New King James and you see that, just go ahead and mark through it because I do in every Bible I get. I mark through it because the rest of it does not exist. But what it does say in the Greek, what Paul said, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God is not talking about your sin to you. God is not bringing your sin up. As far as God is concerned, he doesn't see your sin anymore. As far as God is concerned, there is no condemnation for you in Christ. Then he says this. This is what John G. Lake quoted. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
There is a law of sin and death. Sin and death meaning what? If you sin, death is coming. If you sin, death is somewhere. We don't know where, but it's coming. Know this, sin and death. You sin, you die. But the law of the Spirit has set me free. Because what? The Spirit gives life. That law of the Spirit has set all of us in Center Church free from the law of sin and death. Are you with me? He set you free from a law that said there's no way of avoiding this. You will die. The Spirit came in and said, let me set everyone in Center Church free. You will not die anymore. You might sin, but you will not die. Because in Christ, there is no condemnation. Then it comes to verse 3. For or because what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by our flesh. The law, what it was powerless to help us do because of our flesh. God did it by what? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, like one of us, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin where? Now, if sin has been condemned in the flesh, that means death can no longer touch even your flesh. You cannot experience death or the symptoms of death in your flesh. (laughs) You can't. The devil might try to give you lying symptoms. That's all they are. He's giving you symptoms to make you think you're like everyone else in the world. He's giving you symptoms to try and make you believe there's no difference between you and the rest of the world. But you are not in darkness. You are in light. Verse four, in order for what? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When you follow that phrase throughout Romans eight, who are those who live according to the spirit? Those who are hearing the spirit say, God is not condemning you. God is not judging you. Those who are hearing the Holy Spirit tell you God is not judging you for that mistake. God's not judging you for this one either. Oh, he's not judging you for that one either. God is not judging you. Those who are hearing the Holy Spirit tell them that you are living according to the spirit. You're living according to the spirit. Hallelujah. Now, let me show you something. Let's bring this to a close. I'm on the down end. Is that all right? Let me show you something cool. In fact, I was uh, like I said, I was washing dishes, not washing dishes. I'm sorry. I was messing with dishes in the sink. Sometimes when I study for too long, my brain kind of goes into a plateau and I think, OK, I got to clear my head. So I'll walk the dog or I'll just do something. Um, and it's crazy because those are the moments usually when the Holy Spirit says, OK, thank you. Now I can talk to you. <laughs> and it's kind of annoying, but neither here nor there. Anyways, I went to my kitchen and it was like one o'clock in the morning and I started just messing with this messing with dishes. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this. There is no spot in you. There is no blemish. And I thought, Interesting. There's no spot in you. There's no blemish. Does anyone know where that's found? Anyone? Where is that? Song of Solomon. Chapter four. Do you know the verse? Verse seven. In fact, I'll show you. That was good. That was good. Song of Solomon, chapter four, verse seven. I heard the Holy Spirit say this. There is no spot in you. There is no blemish. Now, at first, I didn't know what it meant. And I'm going to show you why. Song of Solomon, four, seven. The king speaks to the Shulamite. Now, keep in mind, the king is a picture of Jesus. The Shulamite is a picture of the church, how the church evolved, how we started off at one place. And now at the end, before right when he comes back, his perfection, how he perfects her at the end of the story. Are you with me? In Ephesians, he says what? 
husbands, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and spoke something to, I can't remember, but he washes her with the water of his word. In Song of Solomon, Solomon only uses his words to wash her and cleanse her. By the time you get to the end, she's perfect. Likewise, before Jesus comes back, the church will be perfect. But how will the church do it? Not in what we do, but by what we hear. Are you with me? So Solomon is the king and he speaks. Likewise, Jesus is speaking to all of us. But I heard this last night. The Lord said, there is no spot in you. And I heard there is no blemish. So I went back and I looked at it and I thought, well, what's this have to do with anything? Because I felt the Lord impressed on me. Talk about the coronavirus. Talk about Psalm 91. Share with my people that you don't have to be afraid. It won't come to you. But I heard the Lord say this. And as soon as I heard him say this, before I could study it, I saw leprosy in my head. So I went back to Leviticus 13 first. In Leviticus 13, God gives the law of the leper. And he opens it by saying this, if a man has a spot, bright spot in the old King James, but if a man has a spot on his arm, a scab, a red spot, anything like that, and he gives other symptoms. But that word spot jumped off the page to me. Whoa, if he has a what? A spot. Then he's to go to the priest and the priest will determine if he has leprosy or not. Now he goes on to give other laws and other things. But when I saw that leprosy again is a death sentence and straight away the Lord said this, there is no what? Likewise, the Lord is alluding to something here. What's he trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us there is no sickness or disease on you. Oh, man. I was, I'm telling you, I was, I was just putting, and, and as, soon as, I, as soon as I heard this, I saw a picture of leprosy in my head. And I'm telling you, now, let me tell you what the Lord told me. Are you ready? He said this, son, Jesus' payment through the cross, right? Jesus' payment, Jesus, I'm sorry, his suffering was a payment for your healing, right? Now, when do you need healing? When you're sick, right? You need healing when? When you're sick. He said, son, Jesus's suffering was a payment for your healing. Then he said this, my love will keep you healthy. When I heard that, oh man, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> my love will keep you healthy. Now, notice, where is this verse found? In Song of Solomon, which is a love story about a man and a woman, the king and this woman he finds working in the, I think she's working in the field, if I'm not mistaken. This woman he finds working in the field. He brings her in and she says, well, I'm this and I'm that. And he says, no, 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 you are all together lovely. He goes on. I'm not going to joke about, like I always joke about, but he says this in 4-7, he says, there's no spot in you. And all of a sudden the Lord says, son, tell my people, Jesus' suffering was a payment for your healing. If you're sick, Jesus paid for your healing. But listen, after you were healed, it's his love that will keep you healthy. It's his love that will keep you healthy. Oh, man. Now, if you're sick, don't worry. We take communion every day, right? There's like three of us. One more time. We take communion every day, right? Amen. There we go. Hallelujah. We take communion. When we get sick, what do we do? We take communion. We are firm believers in communion. We take it because we love it. But at the same time, know this. <laughs> Once you are healed, it's his love that keeps you in health. So let's keep moving. Now, I'm going to show you this in Psalm 91. I have Psalm 91, one more verse, and I'll close, all right? Let me show you this. Psalm 91, I didn't show you this verse. We stopped at verse 13, and we stopped there on purpose. When you come to verse 14, watch this. He says, I'm going to set you free from every, I'm going to deliver you from every perilous pestilence. Don't be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow by day. A thousand may fall. He says all these things. They won't even come near your house, your dwelling place. Then he comes to verse 14. He says this. Because he has set his love. Now, Psalm 91 is all about what God will do for me. Then all of a sudden, Jesus starts speaking to the Father. 
Interesting, these last three verses, Jesus starts talking to his heavenly father. He says, because he, I'm going to use my name, because Matthew has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Matthew shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him with long life. I will satisfy Matthew and show him my salvation. Oh, man. But it starts with verse 14. All the way 1 to 13 is what God will do for us. Verse 14, all of a sudden, Jesus steps in and says, because Matthew has set his love upon me. Now, you can say, well, uh, you have to love God in order for all this to happen. You have to love God, right? You have to love him. But do you know, John gave us the secret. He said we love because he what? First loved us. We love because Jesus loved us first. This verse right here, because he says love on me. In another way, you can say it like this. Because they have received my love for them, I will deliver them. Because they let me love them, I will honor them. Because they let me love them. If you will let me love you, what will he do for us? I'll deliver you. I'll set you on high because you know my name. When you call, I will answer. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I'll honor you. I'll satisfy you with long life and show you more of Jesus. Do you see, do you see the connection here? The, 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 it's not come to church and find out where not to go and what not to do. Let me say this. Lysol, man, their stock market is soaring right now. <laughs> we tried to get Lysol at our job the other day, and they were on back order. And I was like, are they it's on back order? And I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. And you know what's crazy? My wife was showing me. She said, you know, there was a, a, a post that was circulating through social media. Some lady had a Lysol bottle from like years ago. And on the bottle, guess on the can, guess what it says? Coronavirus. It's not new. <laughs> Somebody saw this and said, coronavirus, let's put this on Lysol so they know, use this, it'll help you. And again, Lysol is good. It helps. It helps. But God has better. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying be stupid. Run straight into the plague. I'm not saying that at all. If God tells you, if he tells you, go, then go. But if you are are even a slight bit, well, maybe it wasn't the Lord, don't go. All right? Use wisdom. We ask God at the beginning of the year for what? A hearing heart. If God speaks to you and says, go, go. But if he doesn't tell you, go, don't go. Don't be stupid. But at the same time, use wisdom. Use wisdom. Now, in using wisdom, don't be afraid. I know it sounds like a lot, but don't be afraid. Don't find out, well, you know, don't, don't watch TV 24 hours a day and say, is that food lion down the street? I can't go to food lion anymore. I'm done with food lion. <laughs> be in food lion. Just go. Just go to food lion. All right, don't let social media, don't let the news, don't let them make you terrified. Just go to Food Lion. And when you get to Food Lion, guess what? If it's there, we have a promise. He will deliver. He will deliver. I'm saying the disease tries to come, and and this is like a shield, and it just goes away. Or let's say it's on that banana that you want. So you touch the banana. Like John G. Lake, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. When you touch the banana, every disease dies. All right? I ordered something from uh, Amazon the other day, and... After I ordered it, guess what happened? Someone at my job tells me, they just found someone in New York with the, uh, with the coronavirus that works at Amazon. It's too late now. <laughs> it's on the way. And guess where I got it shipped to? My job. <laughs> so I get it. I open it. And he's like, coronavirus. You know, trying to pretend like he's spraying Lysol. All the Lysol in the world will not save you. <laughs> All the Lysol in the world will not save you. Lysol is good. It is great. But you know what? Only Jesus can save you. Only Jesus can save you. 
And he's going to do it by you letting him love you. I sound like sometimes I feel like I sound like a broken record, but I'm telling you, I think it's something that we are we're missing. It's not enough to know it. We have to believe it. Do you believe that God loves you? All the Lysol in the world will not save you. All right. You can douse yourself in Lysol. Only Jesus can cause that disease to die as soon as it touches you. He will deliver you. Let me close with this. In First Corinthians, let me close. Last verse. I was asking the Lord, how do we end this? And I've been wanting to talk about tongues for a long time. And I felt the Lord say, fine, just do what you want. I'm joking. He said, I want to talk about tongues. And the Lord gave me this. And I'll close. First Corinthians 14, verse two. The Apostle Paul says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? But to God. I know the word of faith movement. We were talking about, oh, you pray in tongues. You speaking to the devil. You shut up, devil. I'm speaking your language. For no one understands him. (laughs) However, in the spirit. You speak mystery. So Satan's looking at you going, what in the world is he saying? (laughs) And the people around you are going, what in the world are they saying? But don't worry. You're not speaking to them. You're not speaking to Satan. You're speaking to who? There you go. So speak mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. All right. Verse four. But he who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. One more time. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. And we'll close with this. Notice it's not he edifies his spirit, which is what we thought when we were, you know, years ago. When you pray in tongues, you build up your spirit, man. You're building up your spirit, man. Did you know that Paul said your spirit and Christ's spirit are now one? So your spirit doesn't need to be built up. Your spirit is great. That's where the life is. Your spirit is perfect. It's not your spirit that needs to be built up. It's you himself. Or herself. It's you that needs to be built up. Now, knowing this, when I saw this, in fact, the word edifies, I didn't put it in. It's the word oikodomio, which literally means oiko, build, dome, domio means house. Build, rebuild, repair the house. In fact, studies have shown that when you pray in the spirit, you can build your immune system. Now, let me say this and I'll close with this. I actually found an article that was written on March 5th from the Washington Post about the immune system and how the immune system interacts with the coronavirus that just broke out. And I'll close with this. All right. Now, I have the link to it. I can share it on Facebook if everyone wants me to, just so you can read it for yourself. But what they found was this. They got a couple of dietitians in and they brought them in and they said, what are the effects of immune boosters? In fact, what's the effect of your immune system in comparison to the coronavirus? How do the two interact? And what they found was this. If you have a strong immune system, guess what happens? The coronavirus can't hurt you. But you have to have a strong immune system. So people do what when they find that out? They go and they buy immune boosters, right? (laughs) Immune boosters. I need to boost my immune system so that if the coronavirus comes, I'll be safe. So you know what happened? They started doing studies on on immune boosters about five, ten years ago because it's become a popular thing with the health movement. People want to be healthy. Yeah, let's go jog all day. Immune boosters. Put immune boosters in my smoothie. So what they found was this. Immune boosters actually cause your body to have too much of an immune system, too many symptoms, and you can go into autoimmune disorder, which means your body almost like your immune system goes into a coma, so to speak. You thought you were doing good, but your body can't handle that much. And it freaks out and says, we go into autoimmune disorder. Now you're really in trouble. You should have just left us alone. What they found was in relation to the coronavirus, a normal immune system will protect you. In fact, the word they used was prevent. In fact, I'll put the link on Facebook. It's the word, they, the word they use. They say it will prevent the coronavirus. Now, knowing that and knowing what we know about tongues, 
Studies were done 10, 20 years ago. So, I mean, they've been doing studies that they found that when you pray in the spirit, it activates a part of your brain, different parts. But one of the parts it activates in your brain is your immune system. It causes your immune system to build itself up. Paul, probably not knowing anything about the immune system, said this. He who speaks in the tongue builds himself. And the word builds, oikodomio, builds, rebuilds, repairs himself. If you pray in the spirit, your immune system will work fine. Just pray in the spirit. And as you pray in the spirit, guess what happens? As your immune system is building, again, wherever you find yourself in the bank, people are wearing masks. Why are you wearing a mask? You say, well, I didn't know. It's too late now. (laughs) But don't worry, my God will deliver me from every trap. He has delivered me from everything. I know I went really long today, but I said all this to say this. Pray in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit. Don't don't freak out about the news. Don't freak out about social media. It is what it is. I'm not saying that, you know, we stood out the window. People are dying. Yes, people are dying. And that's a tragic thing. But pray in the spirit. As far as you are concerned, just pray in the spirit. Let God love you. Remind yourself, I'm the one that Jesus loves and he'll take care of the rest. He will take care of the rest. Now, don't leave here and say, Matthew told me to go buy 20 cans of Lysol. Again, Lysol will not save you. Only Jesus can. (laughs) And everyone said, Amen. amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your truth, and we thank you that you are watching over all of us. Lord, I thank you that you are watching over all of us. And Lord, I thank you that you have delivered each and every one of us from the coronavirus. You have delivered each and every one of us from it. So, Father, I thank you that there is none in this church that will get it. None in this church that will even see lying symptoms of it. Even from the flu, from the common cold, Lord, I thank you, you have delivered all of us. You have delivered each and every one of us in this church, even those who aren't here this morning. So, Father, we thank you for the payment that Jesus made for all of us, and we receive your love for us. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in, and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.